to die for us. This is why we're here. This is what we're celebrating. A baby that came to earth and died for us because you loved us so much. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And Merry Christmas. You can greet each other now. everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this evening as we celebrate the birth of Jesus with all of our other brothers and sisters around the world. What an awesome opportunity to worship together. If you're joining us for the first time this evening, we're so glad you chose to be with us on this Christmas Eve. There's a welcome card in the seat back in front of you. If you'll take a minute and fill that out, we would love to know that you were here and drop it in the offering basket as it comes around. There's a place on the back as well if you have a prayer request. We pray for you guys every week, and we take prayer very seriously. So if you have a prayer request, please let us know about that. Well, let's prepare for our regular tithes and offerings. Thank you, Lord. Woo! If you'd like to make a check, you can make it to Beaches Chapel, or you can give at beacheschapel.com or on our app. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for how you give to us in so many ways every day throughout the year. We ask, Father, that you take this offering today, that you bless it, and that you multiply it to your glory and to your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead. Well, we would like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10 o'clock service. We would love to have you with us as we kick off getting ready for the new year, um, as we celebrate Jesus every year. So again, Merry Christmas, and we would love to have you.
I know you can't clap because you're holding things, but you can set those down if you'd like. We're actually going to get to communion later in the service. Um, but our, you know, ushers were so eager to pass it out. They just love communion so much. But you can just set that aside for now. Can we give a round of applause to our band? Is it possible? Yeah. All right. My name is James McDonald. If you're new here, I'm the preaching pastor at Beaches Chapel. Um, I have to say, this is my first Christmas Eve service where I get to bring the word, and it's rather surreal, uh, to be honest with you, because I remember, I, I grew up here. I was basically born at this church, and I remember these services sitting in the second row right here, and, you know, back then we had, can, we had a candlelight service, we had candles on each side of the stage, we had a big choir over here, and it was just it was one of those nights where the church decorated and singing the songs. You know, I'm sitting in the second row as a kid, you know, and, and all this Christmas stuff is around me and all that's going on. And, and, and the one thought that I had in this service was, dear God, when is this going to end? <laughs> all I cared about was when the pastor said, you're dismissed, go home. Because this was, you know, from Thanksgiving till tonight, it was just one giant countdown until tomorrow morning. And that's when things got started. Well, tonight's my night. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a while. Because who knows how long they're going to let me preach. So I got to take it my one shot. And you know, something else that I've realized as I've grown older, that, you know, the kids are sitting in here, believe it or not, not seven minutes ago, my daughter looks at me when worship ended and goes, are we done? <sighs> Like, no, Dada has to speak. He's clearly not too concerned with that. But what I've realized is it's not just the kids. There's some adults in here that are feeling the same way. Well, we're going to take our time. No, we're not. I'm just going to take a few minutes tonight, and we're going to go through the Christmas story. And we're going to look at it from a different angle tonight because, you know, we get caught up again in all, in all the, the decorations and what's, what's happening later tonight, what's happening tomorrow, and the rest of our break maybe and we've been watching the movies and, and reading the books, and we, we, really, we really get lost in what Jesus really went through when he was born and the life that he lived. And I tell, I tell my Bible class that I teach here at the school every year, if there's one word, if there's one word to describe Jesus's birth, his life, and especially his death, it's humility. Jesus lived the most humble life, and it all began at the very beginning. It began right from the onset. You know, when he was born, I think about, I think about it right now, the world that we live in, we have this 24-hour news cycle. We have social media, and anything that happens, if you blink your eye, it's going to be talked about. But the birth that Jesus had, I believe even in today's society, would have been as unrecognized now as it was then. And it's because the birth of Jesus, the King, the Son of God, was done in such a humble way that it didn't attract all this attention. But it was so incredibly, incredibly special. Our theme this year is love is alive. And when we talk about love is alive, what we're really talking about is God is alive. Because 1 John 4 tells us that God is love. And so when Jesus was born, love, for the first time ever in the history of the world, became a tangible thing. It wasn't just a feeling, right? It wasn't just something that people talked about or a lyric in a song or in a poem or anything like that. It was tangible. You could look at Jesus, whether he was a baby or a man, and say, there's love. You could see it walking down the street. You could hear it talk. All of it for the first time ever. Think about that, the emotion, the strongest emotion that there is was something you could touch because it wasn't a thing anymore, it was a person. So love came alive when Jesus was born. I wanna look at John starting uh, in chapter one, verse 45, and really, really peel back some layers. I wanna give you four examples tonight of the humility of Jesus's life and really the purpose behind it. It wasn't just that it was humble, but there was a reason for why Jesus' birth looked like the way that it looked. And I want to start in verse 45, and it says, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? 
And this, this chapter in John is actually in Jesus's adult life. John doesn't talk about the birth. He just goes right into Jesus's life. And what we see here is one of Jesus's disciples telling a future disciple about him. And the first reaction that Nathaniel has is he's from where? <coughs> Nazareth? Nazareth was a town that if you saw it on a map or if you were traveling, you were going to go around it, even if it cost you some time. It was not a town that people wanted to go visit. It was actually a town that people avoided. There was, there was Roman guards there that were, at, that were posted there. And there was just a lot of stuff that wasn't good that happened in Nazareth. And so, yes, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. And so the town that God had his son grow up in was a town of terrible reputation. It was a town that when you heard where he was from, people rejected him. And it's not only that, but Jesus actually says at one point in the Bible that a prophet in his own hometown has no honor. So what, what that means is when he was in Nazareth, they rejected him too. So it wasn't just the people that heard that he was from there that rejected him. People in the town of Nazareth rejected him as well. Think about that. Rejection in his ministry just because of the town that he lived. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now we go to the birth of Jesus says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this is a familiar story, you know, and it's all great in the context of the Charlie Brown Christmas or whatever, but really what is happening here has great ramifications. Because when, when weddings occurred back in Jesus' time, there was a contract, and the parents of the bride and the groom would come together, and they would work out a deal, there would be money exchanged, and for a year, there would be what's called the betrothal period, where they would more or less date. They were kind of engaged, they were contracted to one another. And in that time, the, the bride and the groom-to-be would kind of get to know one another as well as the families. And the, the worst thing, the, the last thing that you wanted to happen during this one-year time frame was for the bride to become pregnant, especially when it wasn't from the groom, because now you have one group of parents looking at the other saying, what did you do? You screwed this whole thing up. And so what we see here is that Jesus is from a town with a terrible reputation, and he's born to parents who now are going to have a terrible reputation for the rest of their lives. This is not something that they can shake. This is gonna go on all the way through his adulthood and for who knows how long. And remember, this is a time where there was not sports, there was not social media, there was not any movie theaters or other entertainment. Gossip was the entertainment of the day. And so when you had a couple that did the wrong thing, believe me, people weren't going to let you forget about it. And so now here we have Jesus raised in Nazareth from a couple that everyone is looking down upon. A humble, humble beginning. A humble, humble life. Luke chapter 2 says, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Again, familiar. It's a familiar story, but let's, let's really consider this scene for a second. You know, my family, if you don't know us, we frequent Disney World every once in a while, more than the average family. And our favorite place to go on all of property is Fort Wilderness Campground. We love going there. It's got all the amenities that we want. We, just, we, we don't even need to go into the park. We can just stay on property there and have a blast. We love it. Except one little thing that they do that I just don't understand. When you go to the front of the park, you, they have these shuttles, if you're not familiar with Disney, We'll pray for you about that at the end of the service. Uh, and they take you to all sorts of, all the parks, all that stuff. You don't have to get in your car. And where the shuttle is at Fort Wilderness is about 30 yards from where they keep the horses because they do horse rides and, you know, petting zoos and all that stuff. And if the wind is blowing the right direction, 
When you're waiting on that bus, it can just be absolutely disgusting. And a two minute wait for a bus feels like an hour because you're just breathing in everything that comes with these horses, right? Am I painting a clear enough picture here? Well, consider, consider what it must have smelled like, honestly. In this manger, the king of the Jews, the son of God is laying in this, we call it a manger, it was a trough. It was where horses, cows, goats, whatever, you name it, fed out of. I actually heard one, read one commentary that said it could have been a pig trough. And I want you to consider for one second the deep irony of Jesus, the king of the Jews, laying in a pig trough. This was the life that he led. Think for a second about how sterile a hospital delivery room is. I mean, every effort that a hospital makes is to clean, make that room as clean as humanly possible. Yet Jesus, the son of God from heaven, born to this earth, is laying in a trough surrounded by a bunch of farm animals that stink to high heaven. So he's raised in a town with terrible reputation. He's raised by parents with a terrible reputation. In his first bed, here on earth is a trough surrounded by animals with the whole town having no idea what's going on. He lived a humble life. Last example, Luke chapter two, going on in verse eight. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So with all this going on, God chooses of everybody that he could have told, the high priests, the Pharisees, the Roman governors, the king, he decides, no, I'm gonna tell about this eternal changing news to a bunch of shepherds. Shepherds in that time were social outcasts. You know, they weren't just lying in the fields because they enjoyed it and that was their job. It's because no one else wanted to hang out with them. I mean, they were the lowest of the low on the social totem pole. And God says, I wanna tell the shepherds first. I wanna tell them about this great news. You see, if God had told all those other people first, the message would have been, if you are good enough, if you are qualified enough like these people that I told, then maybe, just maybe, this gift is for you. But because Jesus wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth, because he was the lowest of the low in every aspect of his life, not just his birth, born of a virgin, son of a carpenter, blue collar. He even goes on to say when he's doing his ministry that he's basically homeless. The message is I came for everyone. There is no rank with me because if I'm down here, there's no rank, there's no qualification and I came for everybody. So because of that, starting at my birth, I'm going to be the lowest so that everyone can receive. It was a powerful thing and I want you to consider this as well. We already mentioned Nathaniel's initial response to Jesus was rejection. Mary and Joseph go to the inn. What are they? Rejected. From the moment Jesus was born, he was hunted. He was literally a fugitive when he was born from the king who was fearful of him. And from that moment till today and going on until he comes back, Jesus will be a God that is rejected. Yet he, cho he chose to come. He said, love is going to come alive. Not because of what they might say about me, but because what I feel about them. Rejection happened and God said, I don't care. Even if it's just a few, I don't care. Yeah, but God, it's gonna last well beyond Jesus's life. It's gonna last for thousands of years. I don't care. I'm gonna send him anyway. I'm gonna send him anyway. But what about those that rejected him? He came for them too. He came for them too. He has come for every single one of us. 
And I want the band to come back up and, and, and I want to take communion here in a second. But I want to recognize something as we sit in this room together tonight. There are two very distinct group of people in here. There are those that have found their savior in Jesus and there are those that are still searching for their savior. And make no mistake about it, every single person that has ever walked the face of the earth is looking and is searching to fill that void in their heart. And we look for all sorts of things to fill that void that only Jesus can. But you know why all those other things fall short? It's because none of them go to the lengths that Jesus did. None of them care like Jesus did. None of them love like Jesus does. And so what I want, my heart's desire, Beaches Chapel's desire, is for though we might have come in two different groups, that we all leave the same group. That we all leave recognizing that Jesus came for us. That love came alive for us. That he lived this lowly existence for us. If you read about Jesus's life, the miracles, that just happened. That's because of who he was. But he wasn't trying to show off. He was living love. He was that tangible thing that we could look at and say, there it is. And though we might not be able to see him with our eyes tonight, we can certainly feel him. We can feel him invade our hearts. I said this the other night at our, at our school Christmas play, a gift is only as good as it can be if you open it. Tomorrow morning, kids are gonna come down out of their bedrooms and they're gonna see presents, they're gonna tear into them. No one is going to have to instruct them. When I was a kid, my parents didn't have to take an arm and mine and say, okay, put it on there, now rip apart, good job. That's how you open a present. There really is no instruction. God knows what's in your heart. All you gotta do is rip open the present. All you gotta do is say, I want it, Jesus. I want that love to come alive in me. And that's what this is all about. That's what we're celebrating tonight, is love coming alive, not to show off, not so God could say, hey, look at me and how awesome I am. Say, look at him, how low he is, because I love you. And though he is my only begotten son, through him, all of you can be my children. So let's grow the family. Let's be one tonight. What I wanna do, it's a very simple prayer, is for all of us to pray. If you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you would like to tonight, we're gonna pray right now. And if you already have, what better thing to do on Jesus's birthday than to reaffirm your faith, to tell him that you love him, to say that prayer over and over and over again. I don't think God ever gets tired of it. It's a simple prayer. We're gonna do that right now. If that's you tonight, receive the gift. Understand that it's not about qualifications. If it was, he wouldn't have told the shepherds first. He wouldn't have come from Nazareth. He wouldn't have been raised by these parents with a terrible reputation. He did all of that for all of us. So would you pray with me? Please bow your heads and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that love came alive. I believe that you are the son of God. And I ask you to come into my heart to be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. And thank you, Lord, for paying the ultimate price. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna take communion now, and if you're visiting tonight and that's not something that you feel comfortable with, please, by all means, do not feel any pressure whatsoever. We're just happy that you chose to spend your Christmas Eve with us. When I think about, again, tonight and communion and in, this, in the story of Jesus, I, I kind of consider where I'm at in life. My wife and I are expecting our third child, our third girl, and, okay. <laughs> that wasn't a joke, but... We're excited. Um, but we're doing everything as it gets closer, and we're a couple months out, to preparing her room and you know, getting everything said. And our prayers for her is that we would set her up to give her the absolute best life that we can possibly afford for her. 
And when she's born, we wanna raise her in a way that she's gonna feel loved and protected. And everything is gonna be about success in her life for us. Cause that's what as parents we want for her. But tonight, as we consider Jesus being born, let's also consider his parent, God, our heavenly father and what his intentions were for Jesus. It wasn't to prepare this awesome nursery, to throw a, a, a baby shower and to make sure we set up a college fund for him right away. God's intention for Jesus being born was for him to die. His purpose was for Jesus to die. And it's something that I still, as I stand here before you, cannot wrap my brain around as a parent to think I am going to birth you so that you will die. And not just a little death, but the most excruciating, humiliating, embarrassing, shameful death that anyone could ever drum up. But again, the purpose was for us. So tonight, as, 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 as amazing as Christmas is, and it is, it is my favorite holiday of the year. What it really is, is the beginning of the end, but not of Jesus's life. It's the beginning of the end of the separation between us and God. It's the, it, and that's why there's a celebration because God's saying, there it is, there it is. It's beginning. And as Jesus lived his life and began his ministry and he died on the cross and the veil torn, everything changed. Everything changed and he, and he was raised again and the family got bigger. That is love coming alive. But what a heavenly father we have that he can say the purpose of my child is not to live a comfortable life. It's to die for all of you and for all of us. So let's pray and let's take communion tonight. Father, we thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made, not just in your birth, but in your life and especially your death and your resurrection. Jesus, you paid the ultimate penalty in excruciating excruciating death. Well, Father, tonight, as you say, we, we, we take this bread in remembrance, not of just what you did on, on that weekend, Easter weekend, not just what you did when you were born. God, but what you're doing now, we're remembering that you're alive now as well. So Father, we take this bread now in Jesus' name in remembrance of your body that was birthed and was broken and was raised from the dead for us. Let's take the bread. And Father, we take this cup tonight as well. And Father, we know that it represents your blood that was shed for us. And what that means to us now, Father, is that mercy that you allow us every single day when we do screw up, when we don't feel like we measure up, when we feel like we've failed you in some way, shape or form, even though God, that's not even, that's not close to being possible. You pour out your mercy and your grace on us every day and you wash us new every day by the blood of the lamb, by your blood. Father, we can't say thank you enough. It is a gift that you give us every single day. It is that present under the tree every single day. Help us to understand that, Lord. I pray that for those that don't get that, that they would understand that your mercies are new every morning, that it's not about yesterday, it's about today and your love for us. Thank you for your blood that was shed that makes that possible. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup as well. Amen, amen. You can pass your cups to the center aisle. You can go ahead and stand up. We got one more quick song we're gonna sing and then our youth ministry director, Jason Trent's gonna come dismiss us. I just wanna say personally, thank you so much for spending your Christmas Eve with us. We know that's a busy night and we're just so blessed to have you here. It's awesome, it's re it really is. If you have any questions or any prayer requests, you can find myself, one of our other uh, pastors, we'll be happy to talk with you, pray with you after the service.
so much for joining us on Christmas Eve. We hope you guys have a merry, merry Christmas with your families. And we hope that you'll check us out this Sunday at 10 a.m. You guys have a great night and Merry Christmas.